Hi, um, I want to thank Shelby. Um, Shelby Pratt is the finance director within the OMN. All of you should probably be familiar with him in one way or another. Um, Shelby and I go back to a relationship that began 10 years ago now in western Massachusetts, where I was the church business administrator at Bethany Assembly of God. Um, he was at that point at Zion Bible College, and which is now called North something or other, North Point, and um, he quickly, or shortly after, after meeting him, came out here to Ohio and began as the financial director here at OMN. Uh, I moved here to Columbus uh, in 2012, so three years ago now. And the reason why is because both my kids went to Cedarville University, just down the street a little bit. And uh, when uh, our son got married to a girl from Dublin and settled down right here in Columbus, we, wanted to, we decided we wanted to be good grandparents and, and we chased our son. Normally it goes the other way around, but not, the, not in this case. And actually, uh, it was, it, it was a, an alignment by God to make certain things happen. Um, the position at, at Bethany, it was a wonderful position, and I very dearly loved working there. Uh, but because family was moving away and our desire to, to, to follow our kids and, and be good grandparents whenever that day comes, uh, God kind of opened the door and ACS stepped in. Being a customer of ACS at the time, they, I had built a relationship with the guy that's t today my boss. And uh, he came to me one day and he said, hey, Ron, you're a great trainer. I've watched how you interact with your folks and, and that kind of thing. Would you like to work for us? By the way, if you choose yes, you have to move to Ohio. Would that be a problem? And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> so that's, that's how my uh, employment with ACS came to be. Um, today's discussion is about uh, building an environment for maintaining data. And one of the questions I'm supposed to ask you is, what do you intend on getting out of uh, this session? I don't have a lot of time to to get everybody's response because we only have about really half an hour to to get what I've got pre my presented my presentation um, across to you. So, is there anything specific as to why you came here? And we've already discussed. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call on you. Yes, ma'am. Anything on groups and activities, nothing specific. This is really more on a, a, like a bigger umbrella of data uh, and some steps that you can use to help maintain that. And some of, some of the discussion will apply to groups, but nothing will, nothing, it's, we can't dive that deep today. Anyone else? You had started to raise your hand. Just to better utilize ACS. Okay. Hopefully, some of this will drive some drive some um, ingenuity within your environment to where you can actually start using this information that you're maintaining. Everybody here is an ACS customer. Okay. What software do you use today? Okay. You will get something out of this. If, if nothing else, you'll learn what I consider to be a base element for moving into the data environment within your church. Um, the reality is that not a lot of 
um, not a lot of, of churches understand why it's important or how they can use a database environment. Uh, so that makes, it, make, makes the system become more of just an electronic Rolodex, which is really not what you need when you're paying this kind of money, especially for a software package. So one of the things that, that right off the bat to help you understand your data is getting to know what it is that you're maintaining as your base data set. What are your member statuses? Is it important to, uh, to maintain a birth date and not just the month and the, uh, the, month and the day, but I'm sure all of you are aware that you don't have to have the year and the birth date and why it's important to get that year from everybody. Um, most of us are from an age where it wasn't really relished to give out our birth years. That day has gone by, and I know that you all still have to deal with those people in your environment, but today the, the year is very important. Um, as an example, uh, I was working with a church in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan last year, and uh, they were a brand new customer, did not have one birth date on anybody in the system, and very large church had a had a uh, pastor of seniors within you know with on on their staff, and the gentleman stopped and he said, "So can this new package help us determine who our seniors are in the are in our environment?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely, not a problem." And I said, "What age?" Do you, your folks become a senior? And he says, well, 55. Sure, all you got to do is run a search on the birth date to find the age of those people that are 55 and older. He goes, we don't save birth dates. And I said, well, then good luck on determining who your seniors are. Because without that key piece of information, those kind of ministry questions cannot be answered. Um, policies and procedures are very difficult. As, being, as a former business manager in a church, I understand how important they are for my life as a business manager to be maintained, but I also understand how difficult, how difficult it is to create those policies and procedures. Um, within the church environment, across the board, policies and procedures are, are viewed as something bad. Um, and the reason why is because you, the the church tends to look at it as being locked in to do things a certain way. That's not the intent of policies and procedures. They're really just guidelines, understanding what the vision is, the policy, and the steps to maintain that vision. That's the procedures. If you don't know where you're going, how do you use a piece of software to help you get there? It's very difficult. So policies and procedures are very important, and I'm going to touch a little bit on just those policies regarding data and give you some examples. And then we'll get into some areas with actually working with ACS, but because of our condensed time, uh, you'll see a few screenshots. I'll give you some ideas to think about, and we'll probably be wrapped up before I'm actually through talking. So knowing your data. Do you have an understanding of how your data is defined? I had mentioned member statuses a little bit ago. Have any of you looked at your constitution and bylaws? In your con yes, sir. I have. Oh, you were <laughs> constitution and bylaws typically define your base membership statuses. I know at Bethany they did for us, anyways, and uh, we had active member, former active member, uh, inactive member and non-member as our four base statuses. 
those should be defined, if those are in your constitution and bylaws, those statuses should be defined within ACS for people to flow through because they are defined as part of your governance. You don't have to stop there, though, because the member status field also helps you determine the relationship that an individual has with your church beyond membership. Membership is with um, the... This is Ron Kokanowski speaking for a second. Membership is there so that they that individuals can help lead the church. In other words, they can help govern the church. In most circles today, you don't have to be a member to be able to give, or you don't have to be a member to, ne- to necessarily serve in all of your ministry activities. Some you still do, I understand, but a lot of ministry activities don't require membership. So how do you track those people in the system? Non-member is pretty nondescript, so you need something else. So you might have a regular attender as a member status, or a guest, or a friend, which would be somebody from the community. And as I define what these terms are, you begin to know uh, what your definitions are. And it's real simple, just like that. A friend, a member, uh, uh, an official from the community, like your mayor, your fire chief, your police chief, and those people that you may have to interact with, with that aren't necessarily part of your church and may never be a part of the church, but you have to have dealings with them, put them in the database. That's what it's for, so that you can track all of those people in your community, and who knows, maybe the mayor gets saved and starts attending and becomes a member. If he's not in your database, how do you go chase after him, if that's what's needed? Uh, So define, you have to understand why you need those pieces of data. And my rule is don't make your job too hard. Don't start defining pieces of information just for the sake of we might need it someday. It's the KISS uh, mentality is very important in database management, especially in a church circle where you already have plenty to do. Make your life as as easy as possible. Keep it simple. Um, you have to know where your data lives. And what I mean by that is not in your database, but how does it flow through your ministry? Uh, Who has a hospital visitation process? Just one. Who has a a visitor process within, you know, new visitors that, that come and you chase after them? Your data lives in that process. What are those things that you're chasing after? So for, for a new visitor, let's say, the senior pastor is going to send out a letter tomorrow. Today is Sunday. Tomorrow the, the letter goes out, unless it's a Monday holiday, then it goes out on Tuesday. Um, that's your data. So what do you need to be able to contact that person that just came? Name, address, phone number, email address, where does your data live? If that's right. You've already determined it because you know it. You already have this process built. Write it down. That becomes your data definition. You take it from where, what you need, what you're going after, you define it, and then build it into the system. Okay? Uh, and then you evaluate it every now and then. Access, or ACS has a, the ability to have additional fields, custom fields. Uh, Pastor Tim had de- de- determined that he was going to pass out a card in the, as, a, as an insert in the bulletin, and the card had two questions on it. Are you involved? Do you want to be involved? Everybody was to answer that and drop it in the basket when the, when the, uh, when the basket was passed around. 
Over 700 cards were returned on one Sunday. He went through and added those responses into the system and contacted every one of them that wanted to be involved. Took about a year to go through and pull people in and do what he wanted to do with that. And when he was done, I went back to him one day and I said, do you still need this? And he goes, nope, we're all set. And I blew him up and got him out of there because we didn't need that information anymore. It doesn't need to clutter up the system. Use the system for what you need. Get rid of it when it's over. Is it still alive? Um, policies and procedure. What is the, and, and I'm going to focus in here on data policies. So what is, is the data, rele, data relevant? What is the relevance of the data that you're trying to maintain? Make sure it's necessary. Again, it's real easy to uh, create an additional field for T-shirt size of your kids. How hard is it going to be when those kids are between the ages of 8 and 18? How easy is it going to be to maintain that T-shirt size? Next to impossible because their kids grow so fast within, that eight, within those age range. And then if you're doing it for older folks like me, we go from large to extra large and back pretty often too, depending on how lazy we happen to get at for a little while. So if you're not able to make that information relevant and keep it up to date, then, you know, maybe it doesn't really need to be defined in the way that you're thinking about it. For instance, regarding that T-shirt, within our uh, Access ACS system, we have event registration. And if that T-shirt that's needed is with regards to a particular event, you can ask that question related to the event and right there at that point in time capture a child's or a youth's T-shirt size and it's only good for then because that's the only time you're ever going to need it for that event. So if it's a summer camp, a winter retreat, whatever, and you need their T-shirts because you're going to pass them out, their T-shirt size right now is going to be probably smaller than what it is for next year. If you attach the question to the event that it's applicable to, you don't have to worry about it over here in the data, in the base data. Understand the relevance. Your data entry policy. Um, our system does not, our current system, and I, I say that on purpose, our current system does not requ uh, place requirements on certain fields. You do not have required fields. You do not have to put in a person's birth date. Even if it might be your policy, a record, a new family can be created without that birth date in it. You, on the other hand, can maintain that data, that that information, go back and look and fill in the holes and all that kind of stuff, but you have to understand what your data policy is. And a data entry policy would be, would define those base pieces of, of information that you need when a new person is defined. A data policy would also um, inform the users how to abbreviate certain pieces of information. If you are mixing on an address on an address line, a street address, if you are mixing RD, RD period, and ROAD to, re to refer to road, you're gonna, when you go to search for everybody that lives on ROAD, you're gonna miss all the RDs and RD periods. That's a simplistic example, but it's very relevant. Think about Fort Wayne. How do you have Fort Wayne explain, or defined within your system? FT, FT period, FORT. 
you have to search for each one of those to get all of the Fort Wayne's. So how you define your information for entry is very important. And in most cases, that's going to be a style called a style guide. What are the style of our, of our abbreviations? What is going to be abbreviated? What is not going to be abbreviated? Are we going to enter our city names in all caps like it used to be, or are we going to go with proper case like it is today? Um, if you have the, the programs CASIT and MAXIT where you can tap into the post office system and let them update your data, use the post office system for cities, state, and zip codes you will always have the proper format as, as prescribed by the post office because they're the ones that are determining all that information anyways. Let them fill it in for you um, or let them validate it for you. Um, and then you also, part of that data entry policy is understanding who can do what in your system. That gets a lot easier in Access ACS, the, the way that we have our data policies, our security uh, profiles built in, in uh, Access ACS, in, in the regular ACS, like in PeopleSuite, uh, it's a little bit more cumbersome to define security profiles, but it's very, very important as well. Who can delete information? If you have a, uh, a person that is defined in your user that's defined in your system that has the ability to delete in individuals out of a group, are they aware that they are deleting all the history involved with that roster name? Is that history important to you? Do you want to allow that history to be deleted in one fell swoop? My guess is you probably don't because the history of being on a roster is an indication of involvement. It also will delete any attendance records that you might be keeping. And attendance, by the way, is important for what reason? Go ahead, anybody answer. I didn't hear you. ACMR. <laughs> it's important for the ACMR, to, and that means how many people are coming, right? How much more important is it for you to know who's not coming? If you have 500 people that are active roster, active names in your database, and only 200 are coming, showing up, and being involved in different ways, what do you do with those other 300? Do you chase after them? If you don't know who's coming, then you most certainly do not know who's not coming. And for me, it, it took me a while to get this one through my head, but for me, those that aren't coming are more important. They're the ones that need to be re-engaged. That's the proverbial back door that came, seems, seems to swing open all the time. Uh, so you don't want people to delete, especially, that, that shouldn't, have, shouldn't be able to. Um, who can do what is very, who can see particular comments, who can work with connections in particular ways, who can work with finance, uh, who can see contributions. All of that is somewhat private, potentially private information, and not everybody ought to be able to see it. So you need to lock down some functionality from certain, from, for certain individuals. That's part of all of your, your data policy as well. So working with ACS, you begin to build all this information through your defined lists. Everybody understand what defined lists are? A lot of people forget that in under the, um, and I'm going to speak from the workbench view. Um, some of you may be on the classic view, the classic 
interface, but from the workbench view, in the lower right-hand corner of the screen, there is an area called administration or admin tools. And in there, you have a drop box with three tabs. There's one of those tabs is called define lists, and you can define the schema of your database in that location. Basic, you're, basically, you define the fields that you need to maintain beyond the basic fields that we give you. So you can define an address type or, you know, you know home, business, um, vacation, alternate, whatever your address types are, your phone types, your email types. And by the way, email, nobody has more than three. And if they do and say that they're using them all, they're lying to you. Call them on that. Your, your email addresses are personal, alternate, and business. I have all three, and I use all three. I have more than that, but I don't care about the rest of them. I don't, I don't pay it. Those are my spam emails. If I know I'm going to get spammed, I give them my Yahoo email address, and I never go to Yahoo, so it doesn't matter to me. Gmail, my personal is kokanowski.us and ACS Technologies. Those are my three emails. Don't try to maintain personal, child, home, college, all of the rest of those. You're just causing yourself headaches. Skinny it down and keep it as simple as possible. We give you a whole bunch of definitions. Before you start using them, delete those that you don't need. And we're in the process, by the way, of skinning it down to those three. Personal, alternate, and work. Uh, so go into your defined list area and look at that information that's defined. You can actually go to, into any person's record, go to the advanced, uh, I mean the additional, ta uh, the additional fields tab, and look and see what the custom fields are that are, are defined within your environment as well. Look and see if you still need that information. Start asking questions. Get the group together. Pull everybody in and say, we need to grind through this. Yes, it's going to be a grind, but we need to clean up our data this is what we need to discuss. What information do we need to keep? Blood type, if you're in a disaster relief, I would imagine everybody here in Tornado Alley has got some kind of concern about uh, blood types within their environment. So if you have a, blood cr a Red Cross blood drive and they're asking for O positive, blood type might be a good additional field to have because of our physical location. In New England, it really wasn't all that important because we didn't have to deal with tornadoes too very often. Uh, hurricanes, on the other hand, snowstorms. snowstorms, I love those. I was very sorry that I wasn't back there this year. I would have loved that. Uh, searches. Searches are your best friend. Get to know them. Work them inside and out. This is how you maintain, through searches, is how you maintain your data. We're going to dive into that real deep. And, of course, once you run the search, you need to learn how to apply it into the system to make your system work to keep your data clean. So, um, what do searches do? They answer questions. What are the questions that are being asked in your environment? I gave you one from Saskatoon. Who are my seniors? You go and run a search for everybody that's 55 and older, and you get your answer. If you don't have any birth dates, there's no answer to get. Birth dates become very relevant. Have fun getting them from ladies that are 55 and older. <laughs> A lot more of those ladies are probably coming, to coming around, but um, 
there are going to be challenges. You're not, probably not going to be 100%. But if you're not asking the questions, then you're not going to get the answer. So I was looking around for something that looked like a pew card. You know, on your pew card, are you collecting, asking that question, what's your birth date? If you're not, nobody's going to give it to you. There's a big concern about how many questions we ask on our pew cards. Determine what your important pieces of information are and ask those important pieces. Do you need the kids' names, all of the kids' names and all of the birth dates, first time around when somebody visits? Probably not. Let the children's department take care of that. That's why you have a children's pastor. You need mom and dad's information on the pew cards, and don't hesitate asking for birth dates. If you're not doing that, change your pew card. Get a new one. You don't need the year, though, right? Absolutely have to have a year. How? Okay. We, you don't, you don't no, need the year right. in our system, but you should be asking what the year is because you're never going to know. Because they might not tell. Some people don't tell us. Here's another question. This is a question that you a- ask yourself repeatedly. Who's, who's administrator? Okay. Is it, does it concern you when a child, family, that, that field called family position, you have head of house, spouse, child, and other? Does it concern you when to move a child to head of house or adult? How do you go about doing that? When they graduate from college. When they graduate from college, what if it takes me 10 years to get through college? And the answer, the answer that you just gave is very common. You know, so what I'm about to say, don't, don't feel bad about yourself because it's a very common answer. My daughter was in college. Um, she graduated last year, so this would be five years ago. She was in college, slipped on the bathroom floor, bonked her head, ended up in the hospital, had an MRI, and two weeks later the insurance company called and said, can we speak to Sarah? And I said, she's away at college. And I said, you know, who is this? And they said, this is Blue Cross Blue Shield calling. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm her dad. It's my insurance. You know, that's, you're, you're looking at my policy. What can I do for you? We can't talk to you, sir. We have to talk to your daughter. Why is that? Because she's 18. I can't talk to you. I don't care if it's your policy. I don't care if you're paying the premiums. I don't care. She's 18. She is her own person. Because of that, in my book, in my church, you know, my fake church environment, um, that one of the definitions that I'm going to have for data management is every time a child turns 18, that I'm going to move them from being a child to be an adult, their own head of house in the system. I am not only maintaining a, relation, a stronger relationship of who that individual is within the church, but I, now I'm going to speak to that individual much differently. I'm going to build a stronger relationship with them because I'm not going to show them as a child anymore. Now I'm going to treat them like they're responsible for themselves. Even if they're still living at home, so what? If that means that we're going to send that household two, two newsletters instead of one, so what? I'd rather have the information straight and pay an extra 44 cents to make sure my information is, is good. Um, so the idea, that's the idea behind running searches do, and then applying those search results. So all of you are probably familiar with this screen, right? This is the workbench screen. I see the, the heads that are bopping, and that means that you're all in the classic view. 
Go to the workbench screen. Take six months to acclimate yourself, and then you will be stuck, and you will be happier because everything that we're doing today is under this screen. And this is really hard to read because it was built for a bigger, a bigger view, but what we've got over here is a list of criteria. And this is, this, is what, this is the important part of my talk, okay? Not that the rest of it hasn't been important. But I want to introduce to you a new idea and a new thought, and it's based on naming conventions. And if this screen, oh, this is a lot easier to see. Um, this is a search definition, okay? So basically what I'm saying here, I've, def I've defined my basic fields that need to be entered in a system with any new record that's created. I don't have it because of our system. I don't have a way to enforce that, that uh, all of these fields get populated. So each week, I'm going to run or have my admin run this search. And this search is basically looking in individual fields where the birth date is blank or the gender is blank or the first name is blank, or the last name is blank, or the address line one is blank, or the city is blank, the zip code is blank, the state is blank, phone number is blank, or email address is blank. Those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten fields are my base pieces of data that I need for any new family being entered into the system. Does that make sense? Basic information. So when I run this search, it's going to find every record where any one of these has a blank in it. Not all of them, but because of the ORs, this means any one of those fields can be blank, and it will pop up on my search results. And now I've got to wade through all of those and take a look and see which ones need my involvement to fill in those blanks. If you're doing this on a week with this particular search, if you're doing it on a weekly basis, you might have to deal with five records, five people that need to get updated. You're making your work small. If you do this once a year, how many new records are you going to have to deal with from that past year that probably have blanks in it? Make your work small. Okay? So the naming convention that we saw in that last screen is with regards to that, and once again, you can't see this, but we're going to go ahead. That's what it looks like when you're on this, in the search area, and we're going to name that, and I've given some different examples of this naming convention that I'm introducing to you. This is something that we're actually rolling out at conference this year in May, and all of us, that the five of us that, that are consultants that do this work that I do, have developed this, and it is going to start taking hold in ACS because it's real simple, it's very intuitive, and it's very easy for you guys to grab a hold of. MX means maintenance. I'm maintaining my database. MX is maintenance. The second two letters are the frequency that this search needs to be run. How often do I need to process this search? This particular one needs to look at, needs to be run monthly, and because of what this means, I'm moving, this is that example I gave a few minutes ago when my daughter turned 18. Child to adult is a pretty clear description of what this is going to give me. All of those children that need to be made adults. I'm looking backwards. One month I'm using the fuzzy value in my search criteria to say to look at last month. So right now in March, last month is February. In next week when it becomes April, 
last month becomes March. So I'm always looking backwards one month in that search to find out those kids that just turned 18. Most months, I'm going to have zero work to do. That's the importance of it. I want those zeros because my life just got easy and I'm maintaining my data. I don't garbage this up and have 800 records to, or at Bethany when I did this at Bethany and started working like this, the first time through to clean up all of our garbage, I had over 2,000 records I had to fix. I had people that were 33 years old that were still showing children under their mom and dad's record. You don't want that. It's, it, it, your data becomes a waste at that point. If you're maintaining it, now your information is good and you can start measuring important information within your system. Uh, MX weekly, how many first-time guests did we have? You can take these results, dump it out to connections, and assign people the task of contacting those first-time guests and say, welcome, thank you for coming, and all of that stuff that needs to be done. Uh, a once a year, maintenance routine yearly, and then in parentheses, when during the year. So in January, I want to find all of those inactive individuals, all of those people that haven't been involved, they're not showing on attendance, they're not on a roster, and have not given within the past two years, and I want to inactivate those records. Get them out of the way. They're still in the system, but they're inactive, they're not going to show up on search results and dummy up my data because they're not involved. And then I'm going to have another one that's called the annual purge that I'm going to run in June. And it's kind of the same thing, only this one is going to only look at inactive records. Instead of the normal searches to look at active records, this one is going to look at inactive records and identify those records that have been inactive for two years or more. And now I'm going to, those are my target candidate records for purging out of the system, actually deleting. And before you delete, you run a profile report, you save it as a PDF file on your hard drive locally, and you can always go back and get that information and rebuild it if you have to. I did this at Bethany, I did this, and I, I deleted probably 10,000 records. We had 30,000 records in the database, and I deleted 10,000. And the reason why I wanted to do this was not to clean up the data, it was to reduce my cost. Because when you're in on-demand, you're paying for every five block of 5,000 records over 15,000, I think. I don't remember exactly what the, what the first break is. But once you hit a certain level, you pay for blocks of 5,000 records in the system. I wanted to get down below that break because I knew we didn't have 15,000 people involved in our church. We only had only. We had 2,500 coming weekly. That means we probably had between four and 5,000 that were actively involved in one way or another. We had 30,000 records. I needed to get that down. That was just bloat over 20 years of nobody ever going in and cleaning things up. So in June, during an off period, when I've got time to sit down and analyze and make sure that what I'm about to delete is really the records that I'm going to de delete, I'm going to purge those. And I'm gonna only going to do this based on these inactive records that I've been creating at the beginning of every year. So you're using your data to help you maintain your data. But you have to have an understanding, build a policy, sim simply sit down and write out a, a, a process so that you can effectively do that. Now, we've got, that went a lot faster than what I imagined. Yes, ma'am. Can you actually delete a program? Yes, you can, 100%. You can do a mass delete. Are you going to do it 
You can do a mass delete. Would you like to see how to delete a profile? Is the screen being recorded? What time are we? We're done at 1.45, right? I'm not going to have time to show you. But I can, I can speak to it real fast. And again, this is from the workbench. In the upper right... No, this is just where I know it's at, because it, it's, in, it's, it's in the classic as well. I just can't tell you how to get there in the classic. I don't remember it anymore. Uh, from the workbench, it's over on the right-hand side, or left-hand side, and it's the third block down if you have access to connections. If you don't have access to connections, it's in the second block down, and there's a tab called Tasks. Go under Tasks, and there's a drop-down. One of those drop-downs are People Mass Delete. And be very, very, very careful. If you can, if you want to get rid of one profile, that you can do just from the regular people tab. You can delete. You can delete an individual. People mass delete is under tasks in the workbench. Um. Who, again, there's how many of you that are ACS? You got two of them? This is pretty much what I just explained to you. Uh, it's a document that's in, in process right now. And um, so there may be errors. We're, we're busy building it, but I gave it away at the uh, uh, last or a couple of months ago at the, at the Central Ohio User Group to everybody that was there, and I haven't heard of any complaints. So there's a lot of good information in there, I'm guessing, because I never heard of any complaints. Uh, this is what this, this last part on primarily on the naming convention and some base searches that you can use are spelt out in there. There's some additional information regarding... There's some additional information regarding... Um, basic policies and procedures, things like that. Go ahead and take it, even though you're not a customer. Now you're going to be one because I just gave that to you. Uh, we got about five minutes, four minutes. Any other questions? What are your thoughts? Critique me. I don't mind. Nail me to the wall. Stop right there. In your find person box, do you know what that is? When you go in and search for that person, inside that grid, right-click, go to customize. A little customize box is going to pop up, and that little customize box has two tabs in it. The second tab is called options. Go into options and change your option from locate, which is where you're at, to search. And if you don't remember what I'm telling you, Call support, 1-800-669-2509, and explain to them that you heard that you could do this. How do you go in and get it to do that? Yeah, you can. Well, unless you're, I, I don't think you, you would be locked down not to. I said, I, I don't want to bring up 25 Smiths. I want to bring up. The one that you're looking for. Yes. So you, you're, you're entering like Smith, comma, Tom. Change. You can enter S comma T, 
and the and the system will find everybody whose last name starts with S and first name starts with T. So you don't have to put in first name last. You don't have to spell out at all. If you know it's Smith S M I comma T O and Tom Smith will pop up. But you have to be in search mode to do that. So you have to right click, customize, options tab, search. It's in any grid, any fine person grid. Seminars coming up? Or classes to teach? Uh, yeah, I'm actually leading that one at the, at the district office. That is Access ACS Core. It's very basic. Doesn't mean that it's going to be bad because I'm going to be teaching it. I'm going to have a lot of fun. I'm probably not going to follow the material real close because I do it all the time and I just blast through and give you what you need and let you interact with me. If I followed the material, there's no time for interaction. Access ACS, yes. When is that? Do you remember? Um, 15th and 16th of April from 9 to 4, both days? Yep, both days. Yes, there is. I think it's a. You can find out online. I think it's 150 per day. No, at ACS. ACS, go to your client portal and and look for training. Any other questions? Well, thank you all for coming. It's been a it's been a pleasure, and I'm sorry it was so fast.